Welcome to the Jason Tim Podcast. Thank you guys so much for taking time out of your Friday to hang out with Raj and I. Raj, thank you so much for taking time before work today to come hang out with me and talk about some Lakers. How you doing, man? Oh, well, man. Uh, it's a little early on uh, the California coast, but uh, yeah, thank you for having me. I know it's it's so much easier for me to make this stuff work because I'm in Arizona, so I'm an hour behind you guys. So every time right. I link up with somebody from California, it's a little <laughs> bit easier for me. Um, I thought you were the perfect person to have on today because I think honestly, like anybody who's been watching the Lakers lately is going to be frustrated with what they've seen. Even even though I talked about before the game last night that I thought it was kind of a throwaway um, just as a result of the obvious circumstances that both teams were going through. Uh, there are some lingering problems, and so we're going to talk. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the Laker offense. We're going to talk about what this team uh, looks like without Anthony Davis. What they need to do to succeed, and just kind of touch all the bases. Uh, but I wanted to start with the offense because last night, you know, obviously they made a Brooklyn Nets defense that's terrible. A Brooklyn a Brooklyn Nets defense that, since the Harden trade, is dead last in points allowed in the paint. Uh, a team that. And just about every other team in the league has been lighting it up against um, uh, a friend of mine on Twitter who posts lines. Uh, I, I, I want to say like they were 17 of their last 20 games. They went over on the over under and uh, just for the game, like it's always a boat race with those guys. And then last night's game looked like an old Eastern Conference playoff game. So it was it was de- definitely really strange. But going into last night, even if you throw away that game over the last 15 games, they were 22nd in offense. Uh, so that's where I want to start today is just kind of talking about like the, the reasons why uh, things have been kind of stagnant and ugly on that end of the ball, especially given the level of talent that this team has. So uh, what's your what, what is your diagnosis for what's going on with the Laker offense? Yeah, it feels like the sum is less than the whole of the parts, right? Like they have a lot of great offensive talent. It's just not fitting correctly yet. I think that's a product mainly to Anthony Davis not being himself. Anthony Davis, obviously, even before he went down, it felt like he wasn't at his top gear. He's not playing um, at his best. And really, Schroeder relies on that. LeBron has been carrying. Obviously, he's been great he's been I think he had a great game last night too but when you have him the only one going KCP has been struggling and the shot creation just isn't there especially you see when he gets out of the game I mean last night's a throwaway obviously there's not many people playing but even before last night when he comes out the offense just craters um, especially when there's no Schroeder and then THT obviously has taken a step back which is expected you weren't going to expect him to be a high level NBA player the whole season but I think that's the main reason why this offense just looks slow. Marcus All starting to hit his threes, but before that, he's been almost uh, a liability on offense. Pretty much, it, people aren't guarding him, and now people are not guarding KCP, which is a little worrisome for now. I think I think this whole team just needs the All Star break, uh, which is a little worrisome because the All Star break's still like eight games away. So um, it's it's kind of a long way. It's, it's going to be a trend here. But like you said, the offense has really been struggling. The defense somehow is still at first. I mean, it's. It's um it's dropped a little bit um for the last ten games, but um it's still ranked number one, which is surprising. So that's a good thing to see. But yeah, the offense has really has really been tough without uh, without AD's production and Schroeder's been up and down. He started to pick it up, and I, I think he was out with the COVID protocol, so that really that really uh, messed them up last night. And against a team like Brooklyn, man, they're they're gonna give you open shots, and it felt like we missed a bunch of them. KCP missed a bunch of them, um, and then Caruso couldn't hit a three as well, so. Matthews also, I think, went over on his shots uh, last do we, night. Do we have any news on the Schroeder thing at all as to what happened? Was it a close contact? Was it a positive test? We have no information on that? I don't believe we do, but if it was a positive test, I feel like he wouldn't be the only one that's out. That's you what know? I was thinking, because, too. 
Yeah, so I don't think we have any news on that. And you know how this goes. I mean, the NBA is going to take their time with this uh, COVID protocol stuff. So we, we're not sure. And Anthony Davis, I think, got ruled out for another four for four weeks, which puts which him actually. Expected. Yeah, but that puts him a little bit after the All Star break as well, mm-hmm. a couple games. So hopefully, we get him back back healthy uh, to get this offense humming again. So the the the, the main uh, co- comparison that I've been making, uh, you know, and to be clear, I always you you're aware of this. Everybody who follow follows me is aware of this. I'm a huge believer in this team, and right. I'm, and I'm an optimist with them. And uh, uh, I uh, even at the darkest points of last year. I maintained that optimism just because I really believed in the way that they were put together. And this stretch of games that they're going through right now reminds me so much of the seeding games in the bubble. And I talked about this a lot last night, but like, so if you remember the seeding games in the bubble, there was nobody in the crowd. It was the first time they were playing without fans. Um, They had absolutely no stakes because they weren't really worried about seeding. Now you could argue that there's a little bit more of that uh, type of urgency in this, in this season, uh, but uh, I don't think the Lakers are particularly scared of any sort of playoff path through the Western Conference. Um, and then in addition to that, they went unbelievably cold from three. And uh, I just want to read some of these numbers to you because this is crazy. These are some shooting numbers from Lakers over the last 15 games. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, 32%. Kyle Kuzma, 32%. Alex Caruso, 29%. Dennis Schroeder, 29%. Talon Horton-Tucker, 24%. And AD, who only played 10 games in that 15-game stretch, 18% from three. And, you know, I, I think this kind of thing is like a cascading effect. Like it's one thing that kind of leads to another thing that leads to another thing. Like, you know, the, the lack of, uh, of shooting has caused mm-hmm. teams to pack the paint, which has caused guys who attack the basket a lot, like Talon Horton Tucker, to start to struggle. You know, KCP, who's always been really good at attacking closeouts, all of a sudden guys aren't closing out as hard on him, so it starts to affect his game. You know, Anthony Davis, like, his ability to shoot the ball is such an important part of his game. And, and I really do think that it just kind of waterfalls into all of these different things. Even LeBron who shot Mm. the ball really well uh, to start the year is down to 36% over his last 15 games. So, which is okay, but it's not, it's not great. But I I think it's, but if you remember in the seeding games, even despite all of that stuff, their competitive nature kicked in in the form of them defending. Because even in the seeding games, when there was nothing else going good for the Lakers, they were locking up, and which was which was weird. And so I think that's kind of like the way this team is wired is like when the offense slips, they just lock up. Now, last night was a weird example, and that was the weird part to me because – and this is the next thing I wanted to touch on was, you know, I talk all the time about how I think the Laker defense is predicated on these guards – pressuring on the perimeter but they're they're comfortable in the chaos you know we've talked about it a hundred times and I was really disappointed last night in Caruso and KCP and uh and Wes Matthews and and THT for just just being a step slow in all those rotations and in all the chaos it didn't it didn't look like them I mean I, I did you agree with what what I'm talking about from last night yeah, so like this team without the rim protection is really reliant on like having uh, chemistry and being on the same page defensively, speed, beating guys to position. And last night, like like you said, they were just not on the same page. And also, they had a lot of lineups that just never played together. Um, you had Quinn Cook in in the second quarter. Um, THT I thought was horrible off ball last night. He was ball watching. Um, he left Joe Harris like five straight times to go to go help on a 
on a drive that just was not necessary. And uh, yeah, KCP looked uh, really a step slow, um, especially on Kyrie. Um, he tried to chase him around. So yeah, like all the guards just does not play well. I thought Crusoe did okay on Harden. Like I thought he did his job in isolation, but um, for the most part, but other than that, yeah, the guards just really struggled. And uh, for this team, like they're not going to stop guys at the rim. Like Marcus is just not going to stop. Even Jeff Green put him put him in the paint, like put a shot over him. But uh, yeah, for this team, they really need the guards like on the same page. And when you have lineups that just have not played together, and uh, they just they just do not they just can't defend the same way um, without without those guys uh, on the same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And and like. There's a you know there's there's a there's a math equation here. It's interesting with the Brooklyn Nets, uh, yeah. you know, having to do with their defense. Like, you know, people will say things like, uh, uh, people will say things like, oh well, uh, who cares as long as they outscore the other team? And there's some truth to that because it's right. a basic scoreboard math equation. Like your defense only needs to be as good as what it takes for your point differential to be good enough to beat these teams. That's what that's what your like common sense would tell you. But there's a reason why defense matters so much. There's a reason why, you know, uh, there's that crazy top 10 defense stat that everyone throws out every year. Yeah. And it's interesting because uh, Brian Windhorst had a podcast and Ramona Shelburne and, and uh, someone else was on, I can't remember, the other day. And they were basically confronted this issue like, what, like, are we entering an era where defense no longer matters? And I thoroughly, I thoroughly disagree because defense translates to the playoffs better than offense does because defense only depends on effort. Offense depends on rhythm and feel and confidence and all of these other things. And defense only depends on effort. That's why that defense stat exists. That's why the Steve Nash sons were unable to win in the playoffs. That's, that's why that sort of thing doesn't translate it. And so when I see the Lakers, go out and dog it the way they did last night i'm never overly concerned i'm disappointed because as a fan (laughs) i want them to play better but like i'm never concerned because when the chips are down that team just dials it up and and the best example is that game five and game six against miami last year they come out and they're really lazy in game five i'm tweeting about it all game just complaining like pulling my hair out (laughs) you know uh 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 uh, Laker film room goes and 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 posts that thread of all those video clips of them just losing awesome. shooters yeah. all game long, and then they come out the next game and it's like, all right, we're dialing this up, and all of a sudden they were getting stops, and so that's why I'm not worried about it, but I was definitely frustrated. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a lack of effort. You know, it's crazy. I thought they actually defended enough last night where, like, if they made some shots, that would have been a game still, which is kind of insane because the math the math problem was just, I think someone tweeted, like, Joe Harris had, like, eight threes and the Lakers only attempted 11 or some, like, crazy number like that where they were just getting destroyed in the math problem. Also, the free throws, I thought, I think the Nets shot more free throws as well. But, yeah, I thought they defended still enough to where if they made a couple shots, um, they would go in. I, I agree with you on the defense part. My thing is, like, the only pushback I have is that, um, yeah, defense obviously matters on teams uh, in the playoffs. It's just I think super teams like this are the exception. Like that's the point of having the three best isolation scorers or whatever in, in the history of the game. Harden, Katie, and uh, Kyrie is just – it's a level of offense I just think we haven't seen that kind of 
matches maybe the Golden State years, and that still wasn't isolation scoring. So I think they'll need defense. I just think like their defensive rating is needs to be taken into context. Like people bring it up, like they have a what they have like the twenty seventh defense or some some low defense amount. And to me, that that number needs to be skewed in terms of context of like can you score one twenty with them? Like I look at the Milwaukee Bucks, who are actually really struggling right now. They're like in five game losing streak. Can they keep up? Like can they score with KD, Harden, and Kyrie in a consistent possession? Like will Will they go cold? Because if you go cold, like the Lakers last night went cold for four minutes. You can't do that against Brooklyn. You're going to lose. Like they, they couldn't score for four straight minutes, which is unacceptable with the talent on this roster, even without the guys. But And that game was over. The Nets went up 15 uh, in that stretch. It was a close game, and then they went up 15. And from there, they were trying to fight back. But, yeah, like that's where I only push back with this Nets team. Like I think they're like now 11-1 against teams above 500, which is uh, kind of ridiculous stat. I don't know if that means they're just – doggy and on the, and the bad teams i don't watch enough of them but yeah like that that's where i'm at with them like obviously you need defense they're gonna need to defend at a certain base point level but this team's gonna just score the hell out of ball i mean i don't trust philly to score with them, milwaukee and then from there the east kind of tr- drops down from there i i'm a believer in brooklyn um i've been a roller coaster with them this year because <laughs> to start the season mm-hmm. i picked them when they had jared mm-hmm. allen kd and oh, Kyrie, yeah. and then after the harden trade i kind of got off of that train and now I'm back on, and, and the it, the main reason why, I, and when I say back on, I mean I think they'll get out of the West or the East. I still believe right. that the Lakers at full strength can beat Same. that team. For the record, the when LeBron was on the floor last night without Schroeder and AD, it looked pretty good. Like they were competing with that team, and I know KD wasn't yeah. playing either, but uh, but the, that they can compete with that team when LeBron's on the floor, and as long as they have Schroeder and AD to lean on, I think it should be more competitive. But the reason why I believe in that team is, you know, say what you want about Kyrie and James Harden. They've both had stretches in their career where they have defended. James in Mm -hmm. particular in 2018, Kyrie in particular in 2016. And all it took was all of them to kind of reach that level. And and last night you could see that they adopt a really basic switching scheme. They switch everything. They're willing to give up offensive rebounds. They're willing to give up enough stuff around the paint as long as they keep you in isolation so that yeah. there's no flow to your offense, so that there's no rhythm to your offense, and so that everyone's just a little uncomfortable. It's what the, the 2018 Rockets did so well. And Kyrie and James Harden both are bought into that now. It took them getting their butts kicked by some bad teams, but they're both bought into that now. And, and, and you know KD is not going to be less, uh, less bought in on that than they are. So it, mm-hmm. there's reason to believe that this could work. And so, you know, I, I've come back around on them. I still think there's a pathway for Philly and L.A., the Lakers, in particular to beat them by, by, by not playing their game. You never want to play their game by just getting into an ISO contest, but rather yeah. by just bullying them around the rim. They do, a, t- a guy like Ben Simmons and Embiid, a guy like LeBron and A.D., are gonna, uh, that, that kind of duo is going to be able to put relentless pressure on the rim and kind of potentially swing that matchup, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a believe I'm a believer in Brooklyn. Yeah, same. Um, so let's talk. Uh, uh, let's talk about what this Laker team has to look like uh, without AD, because I, you know, I talked about with Tommy on Wednesday's pod. You know, I'm a I'm a big I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, in the fact that this team isn't entirely AD dependent. I think that's been something that's been overstated over the years. You know, like, oh, Anthony Davis is here. They're a great defense. Oh, Anthony Davis is here. That, that kind of unlocks everything. That's not to say AD's not great. He absolutely is great. But this team is constructed around LeBron's playmaking 
and around the elite defense. And their elite defense is structured around stuff that, that AD helps a great deal, but they don't necessarily need. And they have a lot of NBA starter-level players. Like KCP is an NBA starter-level player. So is Dennis. Well, Dennis is a really good starter. You know, uh, Marcus Saul is a starter-level player. Kyle Kuzma is a starter-level player. Wesley Matthews started last year for the best team in the NBA in the regular season. You know, Markeith Moore, or not Markeith, uh, Montrez Harrell is a starter-level player. So is Alex Caruso. There is a lot of, of talent on this roster. They didn't look like it last night. They played poorly. But there's a lot of talent on this roster. So uh, I, I'm a believer in the fact that they can not only float the ship without AD, but that they can be really good. Uh, so, so my question for you is like, you know, what is their what is their pathway to like to competing for that one seed uh, with AD out over this next month? Yeah, to me, it's mainly on the offensive end. Like, obviously, AD fixes the defense a lot. I thought last night, like, obviously, their effort wasn't there on defense. But when they want to, I think this is a guard-oriented defensive team for the most part. And then AD kind of fixes things around that. AD is obviously the, to me, is the best defensive player in the league. But this this thing He's is predicated. He's ceiling raiser for their defense, for sure. Exactly, yeah. And their defense is predicated on the guards flying around, creating turnovers, being aggressive. Um, I like when this team is aggressive. Trez, last night, for some reason, they had him, again, dropping back. And it just doesn't help anything when he does that um i like him when he's aggressive up in a defensive stance and you can tell i think trez really feeds off like the whole team when the team is really locked in aggressive he gets into that mode and last night also they're gonna need lebron to be a defender for pretty much the whole game like he needs to be locked in it's really tough when you have uh, all these guys switching and trying to um create turnovers and you have a few guys just not on the same page with that um i think they're gonna need them and then on offense they're gonna need shooter back i think they just don't have enough um playmaking without him um they need uh, they need another playmaker lebron can't be making every single play when he goes when he goes out of the game it just craters unless we get thd playing back at his level um so I, I think you're right i think they have the talent to kind of stay afloat um without ad i just think his offense is really needed here like uh, this team just they just can't score enough uh right now especially with the shooters going through the slumps they are and west matthews kcp they got to hit open shots or this team is going to really um, go down in the standings. They're kind of lucky because the Clippers also, I think, are just out with Kawhi, PG as well. So they're kind of staying above them, uh, above water, uh, above water here. And uh, I think what people forget is like last year, Milwaukee had like, a, I think like a six game lead in the standings um, in like January, February. And by the time the season ended, I think the Lakers caught them. So, like, people are saying Utah has the one seed locked up. I just don't agree with that. It's a two-game lead with, like, 30 games left. Um, so, yeah, I think I think they have time still. And there's just no urgency. Like you said, there's no urgency. There's nothing to play for. There's no fans in the arena. It's really tough for them to have anything to jump up for. Yeah, I agree. Like the the Jazz are playing above their uh, above their weight. They're they're right. they're you know they're they're overachieving right now. Like if you if you were to you know the Jazz are better than we all thought they were. But if you were to rank the teams in the West, you're putting them third behind the two LA teams. So it's it's very clear that they're overachieving. So uh, theoretically, over the course of the season, they'll kind of snap back to reality a little bit. There's also they remind me a little bit of the Bucks last year in the sense that they're kind of scheme dependent and uh, and they're kind of like a, a jump you know, shooting. Yeah, exactly. So theoretically, over the course of the season, some teams will unlock some success against them. It'll get spread around the league and teams will guard them better. No different than what happened in Milwaukee last year, who not only struggled in the bubble uh, in the right. seeding games and in the playoffs, but they also struggled in the uh, um, they also struggled in the hang on one second. Uh, they also struggled in the uh, in the the last like half dozen games, last dozen games. 
heading mm-hmm. into the the COVID stoppage. Like that was a team that I don't want to say the league figured them out, but but there was there was an obvious path to where things were kind of getting off the rails for them. And so right. you know, uh, as far as far as you know, between the Paul George injury, the Anthony Davis injury, and the Jazz potentially kind of coming back to reality. Things are very much still open there. Yeah. Uh, but I agree. Like, as far as the shooting goes, you know, we have experience with this. Like, they went cold for stretches at the beginning of the season last year, and then they got hot. Uh, they all got hot in March. You know, like, Avery Bradley would go cold for a while. Avery Bradley was scorching hot going into the end of the season. KCP struggled to start the year, was really getting slandered by Lakers Twitter. All of a sudden, he was the most consistent player at the end of the year, you know. That this is how it goes. It's just an awkward situation where everyone's going cold. And the funny part is like Marcus Saul starting to make shots. Like this, this thing is it's all gonna just kind of turn around at some point. And you know, if you remember after game four against the Nuggets, game five against no game four against the Nuggets last year, mm-hmm. you and I did a pod, and I was freaking out about LeBron's jump shot. And, and I was saying, like, I was like, man, like. He's losing his confidence. This reminds me of the Spurs in 2013. This might not be good, blah, 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 blah. And then he just came out in games, uh, game five and just lit them on fire and, and executed them. Like, it, this is a team that is mentally tough. They understand what they're going through with their shooting. It's going to turn around. It's only a matter of time. I'm, I'm not concerned about that at all. Yeah. And the 71 day off season, right. is also like the elephant in the room here. Like uh, I saw a stat the other, I, I looked up a stat the other day, all the other three contenders. So I believe the Celtics, the heat and the nuggets are a combined 40 and 43, which I think is like a 46% win percentage. And then you compare that to the Lakers who are around 22 and eight now, but um, they're on like a 75% win percentage. So just to compare like those teams, which are good franchises, it's not like the heat go into the summer and we're like, Oh yeah, we're going to rest. Like, you know, they, they, they proclaim this heat culture and all that. And obviously like, they had some injuries, but you know, all these teams, Denver as well, this is a good team that went into the season with zero practice and uh, Boston as well. I think they're, they're underperforming. So um, you got to look at it from there. I think the Lakers um, are in a lot better position. I mean, it could be that I feel like if they ran the same team back, it might be in that position, to be honest, all that new blood kind of helps with um, that short off season. So that, that's another thing that I think people got to take into account is that they really had no summer. I think I saw that they're having their ninth practice of the year tomorrow, which is just insane. Usually you, you know, you practice a lot more than that. So all those teams are are kind of going through it and you're kind of, we're kind of lucky to at least be in this spot still second in the West, second best record in the league right now. Yeah. I, the, there are landmarks that you look for in a repeating champion um, or, or champion attempting to repeat, like, you know, uh, have they completely let go of the rope defensively the way like the, the, you know, the Shaq Kobe Lakers did? No. Right. They completely, or like the way the 2014 heat did no like they haven't let go of the rope defensively you know uh there's injuries but they're all manageable i mean knock on wood with this ad thing like i hope it's not something that becomes a chronic problem for him um mm-hmm. but but like the, the there there are no like giant red flags that would concern you and make you think like did they lose a bunch of talent to try to avoid the luxury tax no they actually added talent like you know does d- does lebron look like he's aging no he actually looks a little better than he did last year so right. there's no major red flag that would have you be concerned about this team you know i was talking about this with jeremiah on twitter this morning he's he's saying that he doesn't think the lakers would get out the out of the west and i said you know well, what has changed? Like, yeah, Utah and Phoenix are an interesting wrinkle that that are in there, you know. But like, 
Denver was one of those types of teams last year and they got worse because they lost their defensive wings, you know, like the, so they're not going to be that much of a factor. You know, the Clippers are a little better than they were last year, but so are the Lakers. And so and my, my question would be like, what, what has changed? Like, you know, materially that would make you think that, 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 that this is some sort of different outlook than last year. And I, and I don't see that. I, I do think you brought an interesting point up about Trez because, you know, uh, I, I keep saying like, you can't, you can't set him up to fail by putting in a position where his flaws can get exposed. And when you put him in a drop coverage or when he's in that catch hedge, uh, catch hedge coverage, but that he's sitting too low to the basket where he's not really bothering the ball handler. Like you're, he's just gonna look like one of the worst players on the floor. And whereas like when, when in the last couple of weeks, he's been really good defensively. And I think it's been because he's been extremely active running around, not around the basket, more in rotations using his length and his quickness and his effort, like his motor, to be effective on the defensive end of the ball. And then suddenly last night it was like like the worst possible Montrez scenario. Constantly in drop coverage around the basket, getting absolutely bullied on the offensive glass by by DeAndre Jordan, making DeAndre Jordan literally look like like vintage DeAndre Jordan. Like all all of those sorts of things are are avoidable in in my opinion and and you you made a great point too you said like he tends to feed off of the overall defensive energy of the team yeah. and it's so true like this team has a tendency to I don't want to say let go of the rope uh, uh like oh, but man. when a couple of guys aren't bringing it like the whole team seems to just kind of be out of sync uh, on that end of the ball. And, and it's, it's frustrating to watch. Cause I feel like that's uh, like, that's avoidable. Yeah. Darius uh, at foreign blue and gold, he has a great expression. Like, you know, there's like the, let the foot off the gas statement, you know, like let your foot off the gas, the Lakers just get out of the car. Like there's no get, let the foot out of the gas. They just get out the whole car. And uh, with Trez, he's a guy like um, you'll see a lot when, when someone scores, he does a lot of, like, Hey, you're supposed to be there. Like, you know, he does a lot of pointing and, and stuff like that. And I think he's a guy that really needs like chemistry with lineups. Um, when he starts to play with a bunch of people, he knows their tendency where to help. He played a lot with, he played with THT last night, Quinn Cook with that second unit. And they just really um, struggled to have any kind of rhythm on the defensive end. And uh, Steve Nash did a smart thing. He kind of mirrored DeAndre's minutes with Trez and then had Jeff Green mirror Mark. Um, it looked like he really coached for last night and Vogel. And he even said this, that he was not coaching for last night. Um, he really had zero game plan, especially for the Nets specifically. Um, so he's still experimenting with stuff. So, um, yeah, that was smart by the, that was smart by Steve Nash. And, uh, yeah, Trez just, man, when he's, when he's not like in a defensive stance and not actually defending, it just, it's just not helping anything. Him in a drop coverage doesn't stop anybody. He's not protecting the rim. His hands aren't up. His hands aren't active. He's, he's a guy that can create turnovers. And, um, you can see when he's really lively, like, um, even on offense, um, he had a few buckets, but, uh, like you said, the Nets kind of push you into their style, right? This isolation heavy basketball. And, uh, Trez even fell into that. He was taking, you know, ISO jab step jumpers over DeAndre Jordan, which just, uh, again, it just plays right into, right into, into their hands. Yep, no, I agree. Uh, well, are you worried about KCP at all? I feel like he's earned the benefit of the doubt, right? Like, I mean, he's a guy that um, he's he's an Iron Man. He plays every game for the most part, and he's uh, he struggled to uh, in this stretch. But he had a really nice start to the year, and guys go through slumps, like you know, as a 
as a player, as a shooter, guys struggle sometimes uh, with their shot. He's obviously in his head right now, um, but I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt when you play that well in a playoff series and high level intensity games that consistently you, you get the benefit of the doubt in like these uh, dog days of the NBA season. So I think, I think he'll be fine. He's a guy that needs the all-star break. Um, I'm kind of fine. If he wants to take a few games off, like, you know, uh, maybe you can't say rest anymore as a, as a term, but you know, you could say sore, whatever calf or something and give him a few days just to, re- just to, uh, to rest it. I think, I think he deserves it. He does seem a little banged up. Um, yeah. I, you, you made a good point about shooting. Like it's basketball. I made the same thing about the uh, made the same point about the Lakers as, as a whole earlier, but there, it's so everything has kind of like a, uh, a, a cascading effect. And it, you know, when you're not shooting well, it uh, drastically affects everything else you do on the basketball court. Like I, I have noticed even with myself sometimes, like, like if I, if I miss some shots, all of a sudden, like you don't see the floor as well. Cause right. you know, uh, maybe you're rushing a little bit. So instead of taking time to really read things now, all of a sudden you're pressing and, and you could see that with KCP yesterday. Like there was when he missed his first couple of threes, he started pump faking at ghosts. There was one where he caught the ball at the top of the key with like, 15 feet of space and just didn't yeah. even, he didn't even pump fake. He just, he just like immediately upon catching the ball, he was looking to swing it and, yeah. and you driving into traffic to where there were a bunch of hands where it wasn't really uh, 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 much space for him to operate. It was just, you could tell like he psyched himself out, but I, I like he's been in worse slumps before and gotten out of them. And, you know, KCP is at his best when the game is simple for him. You know, I I've told you a million times, I think he's one of the best closeout guys in the league. Like, if you if you close out short, he's going to shoot the ball and he's going to make a lot of them. He's going to make forty percent of them when he's in a good groove. You know, when if you uh, if you chase him off the line, he's a he's really good at just ripping through, going up off one leg, either finishing or making that next read. And and that's going to be when he snaps out of it, is he makes a couple shots and just kind of gets back to KCP basketball, and, and just and and I, I'm just not worried about that. I I I, I still think he's uh, 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 one of the better you know, three and D type of guards that we have in the league right now. Yeah. Same. Uh, confidence is a hell of a drug. Like I say that with KCP, like with confidence, he looks like a 15, $20 million player. And then when, when he's, when he's in his head, he's uh, obviously not at that, at that level. So he just needs his confidence back. He'll be fine. Mm-hmm. What are you, uh, are you concerned at, about THT at all? I mean, he's a 20 year old, uh, like basically a rookie. I mean, last year he played like five games and he got a few playoff games. To me, he's a rookie. Like the Lakers didn't have a first round pick this year. They traded it for Dennis Schroeder. So to me, he's our first round pick. Um, he goes into the galore of, uh, Lakers uh, young cores that we see all around the league, um, uh, kind of thriving. So I think he's another one of those. I mean, it's kind of hard to expect him to be the backup point guard, a 20 year old backup point guard on a championship level winning team. Maybe if this was like the New York Knicks, the, or the Knicks actually haven't been playing well, but whatever the, the terrible teams, if he was like a, uh, the, the point guard there, he'd probably be getting a lot more touches, being able to get a rhythm, be able to average 15 or something like that uh, on this team. He's just not going to get the touches to do that. And you can see he's still trying to find his way. He, he does a lot where like he'll drive and like he doesn't realize there's help coming. Like he'll get, he'll like do his two step and then he'll be like, Oh, sh- Oh shoot. There's like a big right there and he tries to kick it out then um last night he drove and took like a fade away one leg jumper oh, I, couldn't believe I, was like, that I was like <laughs> i was like man <laughs> but again like uh as laker fans we can't like i said this before we can't push for tht minutes and then be mad at like the growing pains right like we 
you can't have both. You can't want THC to play and then also want him not to make the mistakes that come with it. And I think these are investments in the future. These are, you know, these are, these are not for this game. What THC does for this, the turnovers and all that is all building towards something. He's not a defined player, right? He's not Schroeder. Like where you're like, man, what are you doing? You've been in the league seven years. Why are you trying a behind the back, you know, no look pass? Like, so you got to let the kid learn. And I'm fine with the the bumps that are going to come with it. I think the talent will oversee what, what he's doing now. I'm trying to throw away last night's game in terms of evaluating him on the defensive end because it reminds oh, yeah. me of the, some of the Montrez problems earlier in the year when you know he would look really bad in a game where the entire team looked really bad defensively. And so, you know, if you remember earlier in the year against Portland, he had that wake up call of a game guarding Gary Trent Jr., where he kept leaving him open oh, and giving up all those threes, and it pretty much cost him a game. And uh, I thought he had made progress from that and gotten to the point where uh, where he had kind of made some strides uh, on understanding the defensive end and his uh, just the focus and the in the the incessant like you literally can't lose focus for a second or it could cost you. And I thought he had kind of figured that out. There was a lot of stretches there over the last month where he was dominant defensively, like part of some crazy defensive sequences. Mm-hmm. For the yeah. Lakers, where they would go on crazy runs, where he was just everywhere, getting strips, getting steals, you know, d- uh, disrupting passing, like everything, and uh, <clears throat> and th- I was more concerned with his offensive inconsistency. Not concerned, but just that would be the thing that would be the difference be- between him being like a, a pivotal part of their playoff rotation and kind of being a, a microwave guy who only played five ten minutes a game, you know, and. Last night was the first time in a long time where I kind of saw some slippage on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that it was just a throwaway from the standpoint of, of of the whole team's effort. Because, you know, that's going to be, you know, if you look at the Lakers guard rotation, they have Dennis Schroeder, KCP, Alex Caruso, Wesley Matthews, and THT. So that's five guys. In the playoffs, you're probably only going to see four of those guys play because – LeBron and Kyle Kuzma and Anthony Davis and Montrezl Harrell and Marcus Saul are still going to play. And you, you may even see some Markeith Morris for specific matchups when they need shooting from the five. So from yeah. that standpoint, like, you know, in order for him to break into that top four and be playing in the playoffs, I think they can live with some of the offensive inconsistency, some of the him not seeing the floor super well. It's that it's games like last night where he's giving up an offensive rebound to Kyle, uh, to Kyrie Irving when he's giving up on a play. Or yeah. he's lo- or he's losing Joe Harris in rotation. Like those are the kinds of things where he's going to find himself out of the rotation. And and I like I said, I just kind of hope last night was a throwaway. Yeah, same. He's an overhelper, right? He's a guy that really likes to help. So like he'll be in the paint, even though his man is Joe Harris. And the Nets are really good at like if you're in rotation, it's over. Like they they move the ball three times, um, and it's to Joe Harris. I think uh, TLC uh, Timothy Luau hit like four threes in three minutes because the Lakers lost him. So the Nets will put you in that. They're one of the, they're the best offense in the team. So you can't have guys getting lost, um, falling asleep um, off the ball. Yeah. And like, it, it was funny yesterday, you know, I tweeted this out yesterday. You, you sent me the the DM about the guy that got upset <laughs> that I said this, but uh, which was funny. I, I had to reread that like six times. Like so, some guy was like, I, I was tweeting after the game and I basically was like, did any Laker play well tonight? And yeah. I was kind of just presenting the, co- the, the topic. I thought that was pretty clear. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, the, uh, you know, like LeBron was fine, but he wasn't great. Like he didn't shoot the ball well. And, 
I agree with you. Like he wasn't great on the defensive end. There was a play uh, at the start of the fourth quarter where he uh, was kind of standing on the block and Jeff Green was guarding him. And Joe Harris was there with, uh, it was either Caruso or I can't remember who it was. And, uh, and Jeff Green and Joe Harris was in the corner and Jeff Green just kind of went and set a pin down. And, uh, uh, and LeBron stood on the block. And uh, whatever guard was over there, whether it was Caruso or THT or whatever, gets caught on the pin down. And mm-hmm. Joe Harris breaks free for a three. And LeBron basically didn't move on the entire possession. Yeah. And sitting there thinking like, all right, like we can't do that, you know, either, you know. And then, uh, uh, you know, Kuzma was good. But I also felt like he had a, he missed some bunnies. He had a couple plays where he would like get steals, but then like fumble the ball out of bounds. Like I didn't think it was his best game either, and he's still kind of struggling a little bit from the uh, from the three point line. Uh, but every every other Laker had about their worst nightmare game. Like Caruso had his classic like driving into the lane and then just throwing the ball to the other team, uh, missing floaters and layups. You know, Tht had one of his worst offensive games in a while. You know, Markeith Morris was bad. Uh, 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 Wesley Matthew, like literally every single Laker played one of their worst games that I've seen them play. And it, and that was why it was like so crazy to see them even compete there where they were within 10 there at the end of the third quarter. Uh, uh, it, it, it was wild. Cause like, you just don't see that very often, but it goes to show you what we said uh, and what you were pointing out, um, you know, about like getting out of the car, like the Lakers just have a tendency to really yeah. let things, to really let things slip. Yeah, I thought Kuzma actually, like, I thought he played pretty well. He brought the energy last night, right? Like, um, he still went after his offense rebounds. He had, like, a, he had a bunch of big threes. I thought to keep him close for a little bit. So, I thought him, LeBron had, like, the best games last night. Kuzma's been pretty consistent, just bringing the effort, trying uh, every night. So, give him some some credit for that. I thought he played well. I thought he defended uh, his role. I thought he played well. So, that's, a, that's the only ones. Yeah, you're right, though. Everyone else had a pretty much a bad game, and you're not going to beat the Nets with, like, your half your over half your roster just not not contributing at all. And, and DeAndre Jordan played the best game I've seen him play this season in terms of his activity. I'm sure he's had better scoring nights, but his activity was great. Timothy right. Lawawo Cabarro was a brick in Philly, and and now he's making everything in Brooklyn. Joe Harris was great. Like they, Jeff Green never misses an open shot anymore. I sent out a stat the other day, like. You know, you always have to trust your eye to eyes sometimes because I remember sitting there thinking like, man, Jeff Green is making all these shots when he was playing in Houston in the playoffs last year. And then this year in Brooklyn, it's like, man, every time I watch a Brooklyn game, like Jeff Green's not missing any shots. And you look it up and he's like 43% over over the last playoffs in this entire season. But yeah, you can't uh, you you're, you can't expect to beat a team when you're just getting outplayed down the roster. Like if Montrez yeah. is going to get outplayed by, by DeAndre Jordan, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> uh, uh, real quickly before I get you out of here, what uh, uh, are you still uh, confident? Are you wavering? How do you feel about them out, uh, getting out of the West? How do you feel about them in a matchup with Brooklyn? Uh, I'm I'm pretty confident. I think Brooklyn and the Clippers are the toughest ones. Like you said, um, I actually think Brooklyn's a little bit more tougher. I just think their offensive like firepower has a little bit more of a juice that's mm-hmm. able to kind of just outscore you for four games. Like it's possible. Those two teams are the only ones that I see. I think Utah is a great team. I just think. The matchup for us is just awful. Um, I, I just think like Gobert gets played, his strengths kind of get played off with in Anthony Davis at the five lineup. I think, and they have no one to guard LeBron as well when things matter. And um, Anthony Davis I, just wants to completely emasculate Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I don't know him. why. I don't. I don't know what Rudy did to AD to make that matchup really personal. It feels like a lot of people really take 
Rudy's matchup personal for some reason. He just has that way about him, I guess. But uh, yeah, like AD takes that matchup really personal. Um, LeBron plays well in Utah, I think. So uh, yeah, those are those are the only teams that like I think have have a real chance. I think this team is fine. You can't really judge them without AD. I mean, I'm, I see a lot. Like I saw a lot of headlines this week. Like if Anthony Davis isn't there or isn't healthy, the Lakers, you know, can't win. And that's like, well, obviously. I mean, what kind of analysis is that? Like analysis is that? Like it's obvious. If the Lakers don't have AD, then then yeah, then they're not going to win the title. You can do that. There's with not team. a team in the league this year that can win by losing a star. Like yeah, even exactly. Brooklyn, even Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yes, they're not winning without KD or one of you know one of them, or even the Clippers. Well, they're not they winning. They drop Kyrie because everything is built around this idea that they need all three of them to overcome their their defensive deficiencies. It, exactly, and so with, so with the Clippers, right? They need both Kawhi, and they don't just need PG. They need PG to be himself in the playoffs, which is still uh, TBD. So yeah, I think the Lakers are fine, and uh, LeBron's still shown that he's. Not just like he's not dropping. He's actually like to me. He's widened the gap in a weird way oh, between he looks him. Great man, it did him another and the ridiculous dunk last night. Like, what is going on? So I want. I guess I want to ask you this because like you've been watching LeBron a lot more than me, and I feel like you probably think he's been the best player in the league since twenty twelve. You think like so? Kobe's last like to me, Kobe was at the top around two thousand. 10 and then i think 11 was when lebron lost in the finals but like for around that time i'm thinking he was the best kind of like league. A, kind of like a vacancy like give it by on, honorary give it to kobe kind of thing yeah and but in 2012 by then lebron was the best player in the league i'm guessing so and it was him and maybe kd right at that time and then steph obviously came in steph came in to me like the gap has widened i guess like i think it's him and steph maybe like those two I guess are the best Steph does in a different way but like I feel like the gap has widened between him and the best player in the league just with um how I mean Steph is still coming back Katie's not 100% what he is what he was so what, what do you think like is that gap widening is it around the same as it's been since he's been at the top or what do you think about that I don't think the gap is necessarily widened but I think it's more a product of just how insanely talented the league is right now Mm. Um, you know, when when I look at this kind of stuff, like you know, whoever wins the title this year, I was thinking about this literally on my on my drive home. I was playing basketball this morning, and I was driving home, and I was like, I whoever get like if 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 Kawhi runs through LeBron and AD, and then runs through this KD team in Brooklyn, like that's Easy. that's insane. If yeah. LeBron does the same to Kawhi in Brooklyn, if Brooklyn mm. does it to Joel Embiid, and then gets through one of the LA teams, if it, 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 like, like if, if Philly runs through it or if you like whoever wins this title this year, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not a big believer in diminishing titles, but I mean, I also believe that some are, are a little bit more impressive than others. Like this year, barring massive injury implications, like this is going to be an unbelievable accomplishment for whatever team hoists that trophy. And, and again, it's just a product of how insanely talented the league was. Like think of it this way, like last year, Steph and KD missed the playoffs because of injuries. And yet the Lakers still had to go through Damian Lillard, who's unbelievable. Um, and they had to go through, you know, uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. They had to go through Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, who was literally a 30-point, th- a uh, like 60% effective field goal percentage guy last year. And then they had to go through, you know, Jimmy Butler, who is arguably one of the 10 best players in the league when he's when he's dialed in like that in the playoffs. And like, and so a, a down year for talent because of injury was still just this insane pathway. And this year is going to be even crazier. Right. As, you know, as far as like his career path, like I'm really, really hard when I uh, evaluate the top players in the league. And I do put a, a huge 
you know, extra amount of weight on, on that, that IQ and savvy for winning basketball games. Because I think like that is one of the most underrated aspects when we're evaluating players is just like a, a player's ability to sense the teetering outcome of the game in specific moments. And right. that kind of thing is not evaluated by talent. That's evaluated with your brain. Cause LeBron undoubtedly has been the most talented player in the world since 2007, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe at this point there might be players who are more talented than him in terms of just pure ability. Uh, but there's, you know, from 2003 to 2012, LeBron just, he didn't quite have the same grasp of that ability to, to, to take control of basketball games. That's why Dirk did what he did in 2011. Dirk was peaking mentally Right. It sensed those moments like in game three against Miami when Miami's kind of falling apart and he's making that comeback like that's Dirk that's Dirk sensing and smelling blood in the water that's you know Dirk in game six was the best one you know game six Miami's coming home they have two home games with a chance to win the series and Dirk is just like no like I have an opportunity here to get this done and Chris Bosh can't guard me you know and 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 that, and that was that, that's where it teetered and 2012 was when LeBron figured that out and since yeah. then it's been him i and as far as the gap though like it's like man it's hard to say lebron is way better than the other players in the league when steph's playing the way he's playing when kd's playing the way he's playing when kawhi's playing the way he's playing you know right. i i i i don't hold this against michael jordan because in fairness you know, it's hard to push yourself to a certain level when there's not a carrot that's being dangled in front of you. I think that's why he retired uh, twice like he did. But, like, LeBron cannot rest. There's a reason why he's improving. He cannot rest because the dudes on his heel, uh, on his <laughs> heels in any other season would be the best player in the world. Like yeah. drop Steph Curry in any other era other than maybe Michael Jordan's era. He's the best player in the world. Drop Kawhi in, in the seventies or the eighties. Like he's right up there with magic and Larry. Like, like Kevin Durant, Kevin freaking Durant is unbelievable. Like it's just, it's, it's just what a great time to be like that. I, I keep getting bummed out by all these people complaining about watching <laughs> basketball this year. Ah oh, man. Because dude, like, of course, it's a little bit ugly from time to time, you know, with yeah. the, all the threes. But the half-court slog in the early 2000s, there's not as much talent on the floor. It's just as ugly. You just right. are romanticizing it. Like, I, I want fans back, yes. The regular season has always been crappy because of the tons of games and the lack of urgency. But, like, how can you not – like, literally two of the top four players, two of the top three players missed last night's game, and the talent level was unbelievable on the floor. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's insane. And as a guy like, I don't know, when you brought up Jordan, I was just thinking like, obviously the Lakers haven't been in the playoffs for a long time before LeBron obviously got back last year. And I just, I guess I forgot, like, I think Kobe does it in a different way. It's more of a scoring kind of dominance. But LeBron, it's like in every possession, kind of like, I know every possession matters. And like, his mind is at like a different level than I've seen it. And just like, when I saw that in the playoffs last year, this year I watch, I'm like, oh, this isn't even close. Like, this has... Like, this is nothing compared to, like, what he does when it matters. Like, when it matters, like, his mind is on a different level. Every person's in the right place. He's controlling. He knows every play, every you know, every other playbook. So that's where it gives me, like, a calmness. Like, I, I guess, like, it's how Cavs fans must have felt. Like, obviously, he didn't – 
he didn't coast this much. Uh, he coasted a lot more, I think, in Cleveland, right? Like, I'm guessing uh, they were, the what, defensive fourth, end, yeah. yeah, he, they were, like, what, a fourth seed that sometimes, some years that they went in. And, you know, those Atlanta Hawk teams really remind me of, like, this Jazz team this year. Where, like, they won, like, 65 games. Just beautiful offense, right? Obviously, they were coached by Mike Budenholzer, which is, you know, another topic. But, yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but LeBron, obviously, just, like, in the playoffs, I remember watching, and I was like, man, like, this Hawks team isn't even on the same tier. And they won, like, 15 more games and LeBron is like toying with them. He's like, Oh, Jeff Teague. Like, are you serious? So like, it, it, it's, it's hilarious just to watch. And that, that's where I'm like, I'm think that's where like the gap widened to me is when I watched the playoffs last year, I'm like, Oh, there's no one else. Maybe it's Steph because he hasn't been in there for a while or KD, but they just do it in different ways. Like I've, I just feel like LeBron's at a different level right now. He's at like this, which is weird in year 18 where like, I feel like I've seen his like peak in terms of athleticism, matching the mind, matching, you know, just the, just the experience as well. So that, that's where I was questioning like the gap widening between in him and like a guy like Kawhi, I guess. It's all subjective. Like, you know, all of these players are different. Like, you know, it's funny cause I'm a LeBron fan uh, and everyone, mm-hmm. the, the big difference between me and, and most LeBron fans that you'll meet is like, I am a basketball junkie who, who loves all of these guys. Like I'm a huge right. Michael Jordan fan. I literally have, a frame of Michael Jordan's first Sports Illustrated cover. When I play basketball, I play, I mimic Michael Jordan in my game. I, like the biggest thing I've been working on the last few years is like all this low post stuff that I literally have stolen from him. Like everyone associates my fanhood with LeBron as some sort of like oversimplification of, of my <laughs> right. view on basketball. And it's ridiculous. And it's like, you know, the, the, for MJ's birthday, the, uh, that video went viral again from The Last Dance. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's so funny because, you know, that you could not pick two more different archetypes of basketball players to be competing for the GOAT title between LeBron and Michael Jordan. Yeah. Because, you know, Michael Jordan's whole view of the game, his whole persona, his whole, you know, uh, uh, his leadership technique, the way the way he viewed basketball, like when when a game would be teetering, the way that he would perceive his pathway to grabbing control of the game again Versus the way LeBron views that identical scenario versus the way LeBron would behave in a documentary versus the way LeBron would treat his teammates. Like it's all so different, yeah. but it's equally impactful or, right. to, or close, you know? And so that, that's what's so interesting to me. Cause like you talk to any of LeBron's teammates, it's like, he's jokey, he's jovial, he's, he's nice in the media, he's all this stuff. But behind closed doors, it's like, if you go out drinking and, and you miss the workout in the morning, like he's on your ass. Yeah. If you don't keep the locker room clean, he's on your ass. Like if he's, if you do all, like it's all this stuff that gets lost in the shuffle. And, it, and, it, and you know, when you're watching a random Tuesday night against Memphis, there'll be like an out of bounds call. And LeBron will be like demonstrative, freaking out, like yelling at the refs and doing all this stuff. And I'm always sitting there thinking like, it's amazing to me that, you know, some of his detractors, have painted him as someone who doesn't care as much. Yeah. And, and, and it, but it's all, it's all the aesthetics and the, and the differences in the way these guys are. And, and honestly, I think it's cool. And it's because if all of them were the same, like if this was NASCAR, it would just right. be a result based thing. It'd be like, well, this guy won and they're all in the same car and they're all driving the same way. And this guy won, but it, no, it's not like that. You know, like the, the, how do you how do you differentiate between a Kareem and a Michael and a Michael Jordan? You can't like it's all subjective, right. you know. And, exactly. And, and and I think like 
I think it's okay to embrace some of the barbershop stuff and have some fun, you know, talking shit back and forth and, and, and exchanging opinions and arguing back and forth. But like the, the way that it's, it's portrayed as like this, like clear cut, you know, line in the sand, like this guy's better than this guy. Like that to me is frustrating because there's real, there's absolutely no way to make that case uh, in a definitive way because of how different they are. I mean, LeBron literally is half as polished as, as, as a Kobe or as a Michael Jordan in terms of his like offensive skill set. Uh, yet, yet is every bit as good as them, you know, yeah. and, and that's crazy. I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how you differentiate that. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I just love like they all have that same. Like I know Jordan, LeBron, even Curry, all do it differently. But I just like they all have that confidence about them, right? All that like, like people see Steph as this humble dude, but that dude wants to like really kill you. Like he's gonna, he's gonna hit a, he's gonna hit an in and out dribble three in your face and make you know about it. Like you know, he has this humble persona. And same with LeBron. Like I saw it last year in the playoffs. When uh, he hit that logo three against Dame, you know what I mean? Like he's like, and I think that was game game five or something. I'm like, oh wow, I did not see this coming. I guess so. It, it's cool that they all have that. And the last dance kind of obviously glorified Michael Jordan in in doing that. But I think um, all the stars today kind of have that. You can't be a star today without having some kind of like confidence level um, with that. And yeah, you're right. The talent in this league is insane. I think what Luca and Trey do at like 21 years old is absolutely absurd. Um, I see people already asking, can you win with Trey Young? I'm like, he's 20, he's 21, having the keys to like the best offense in the league when he's on the floor. Just like appreciate the talent first before you start like going, what was Atlanta doing with the trade? Like at least, you know what I mean? At least, you know, appreciate the talent first. And then you can go into, is he a defensive liability? All that, of course. But um, yeah, I just think there's a lot of that going on today uh, in the conversation. You show up on the road in Washington against a bad team. And it's like, oh shit! I have to guard Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook tonight. <laughs> you show up on the road in uh, 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 Minnesota, like you know. The, like, I thought, like I thought, the Lakers look really good in Minnesota the other night, and so many people yeah. would oversimplify that by saying they're the worst team in the league record-wise. But I mean, Carl Anthony Towns has missed most most of the season, and I want to sit there and be like, Carl Anthony Towns is really, really good, and and it's, so you've got the number one pick from this last year's draft who's just being shot out of a cannon because of D'Angelo Russell's injury and Carl Anthony Towns, who like is uh, just a dead eye three point shooter who can do all these other things offensively. It's like, that's the worst team in the league. Like that's who I'm playing on the worst team in the league. You know, I go to, I go to Atlanta. It's, it's Trey young and John Collins. You know, you go to, uh, you go to just pick any team in the league and it's like Sacramento is a huge pain in the ass. they're just a pain in the ass it's just it's crazy like and i that's what i appreciate the most about this season you know is like that i you know my wife has been doing a lot of homework at home lately because she's been doing some schooling on the side of her job uh and like i've had a lot more time to watch some of the other teams in the league and i've just been having so much fun with it and yeah i cannot wait for fans to get back of course all of those things go without saying uh, but like, I, I just, I've been having, I've been having a lot of fun with it. And, and, and like, I talked a lot about this with, uh, uh, uh the other day on Monday in a pod, but like, I'm, I'm not worried about the playing styles. Um, because yeah. I think like, I think we've seen like the Lakers are a great example of this. Utah is a great example of this. Like the, the, their teams are already adapting. And they're figuring out a way to make the teams that shoot a ton of threes pay, uh, uh, making that kind of end up actually working to their detriment. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, we do this every year, right? We see a team that's hot from three, and and then they get into a, a series where in, the defense tightens up. That space goes from like you know a little bit of space to like really tight. All the shooters get you know uh, the game plan for them. You know, like I don't think anyone's game planning right now for uh, Bogdanovich or whoever whoever is hitting threes on Utah. They're all hitting like fifty percent from three. But you know, in the playoffs, that space gets tightened. You have nowhere to go. Gobert, all of a sudden, they're gonna have to make him be an offensive threat the way he isn't. Um, and I just feel like in the playoffs, it, it gets it gets tighter. You see that you see teams um, just withering the pressure of that. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But every year, we see the team that can get to the rim. Get to that can defend the rim, defend the paint, and uh, defend on the and uh, score at the rim on the other end. They're the ones who win. So that that's where I'm banking on uh, this season again. I'm interested in what Frank has for the Jazz because he has famously cared a little bit more about regular season game plans. Um, it's funny because <laughs> I I've seen LeBron get mad at the coaching staff for the scouting report before. <laughs> you saw that with uh, Zeke Naji the other day in Denver. Mm-hmm. Like Zeke was making these threes and LeBron was like looking over at the coaching staff, almost as if the scouting report was like close out short on Zeke. <laughs> like there's like this weird accountability for that kind of stuff within that organization. So I, I, I'm really looking forward to that jazz game, which is next week sometime. I can't remember. Yeah. When. Uh, because like, I think that's a game that I think that's a game that Frank's going to try to win. And I let's fingers crossed that, that, uh, that Dennis gets back. Uh, yeah. But Hey dude, I really, really appreciate you taking an hour to come uh, hang out and talk with me this week. Uh, um, I hope I'm getting you out of here in time. Everyone else who, who joined, I really appreciate you guys for listening and supporting. I will have the podcast version of this up uh, in about 20 minutes or so. Uh, and then I will speak to you guys next week. Thanks again, Raj. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me, man.